It's an honor. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Uh, you know, it's always crazy when Laura and I first started. Uh, my wife, Laura, you want to wave your hand? Uh, and then, you know, when we first started coming here, probably, what, 15, 16 years ago, it's just a lot's changed at Dallas Bible in a good way. Uh, it was fun to walk this journey with Pastor Hal Habecker uh, and the elders there, and I was on staff at the time, and then our church actually sent me out. That's a positive way of saying, go do your own thing. Um, and, uh, uh, we, we started uh, Time to Revive, and uh, it was a ministry, and it is a ministry that's designed, and our desire is to equip the saints so that you feel like you can do the work of the ministry, right out of Ephesians 4. And, you know, it's just fun to see uh, some, some regular faces maybe in our lives, but some that may, might not be here at Dallas Bible, but uh, Joan Deering is here, and uh, Joan is a really close family friend of ours, and Joan helped start off Time Revive with us. And uh, it's an honor that you're here, Joan. And uh, then I see Brian Blake over here. I'm not going to do the whole service like this, but look. <laughs> but when we started the tent revival in 2007, Brian was running with us. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. You didn't know what we were doing. But then I know you don't know the lady behind you, but I need you to turn around and introduce yourself. It's super awkward. <laughs> so this is Bunny, Bunny Pounds. Bunny was a part of Revive Texas 10 years later in the Orange region. And that it would have done something else like, like this, and then to have both of you all here as a representation. Sometimes the Lord just does that for you guys. Does that make sense? He just blesses you. There's a friend of mine here, Mike. I don't know, Mike, you're probably not going to wave your hand. But I, I was an apartment manager for five years at Swiss Air when we went to Dallas Seminary. And Mike and I and my wife, Laura, we did life together. I haven't seen him since we left Swiss Air and moved up, up north. You know, it's like downtown to Richardson, but... Uh, but like, you, you know what I mean? You know how you like, you, you pour into people for seasons and you see them for seasons, man, I just, I needed this today. When you go hard for the gospel all the time, and I mean hard, you travel all the time. Sometimes it's just nice to see tangible fruit. And I want to just run with y'all today, um, I was praying about this text today for Dallas Bible Church. And I was asking the, the Holy Spirit, and just so you know, like that just means when you pray, you actually listen. Right? Sometimes we do a whole lot of praying and not much listening. You say, I want to tell him this. And he says, no, you tell him this. And uh, I'll just tell you a Holy Spirit disobedient moment more about me. The Holy Spirit prompted me to buy Maya's passport about three weeks to a month ago. She was not planned to go to Guatemala. But an opening happened, one thing led to another, and we needed to get a passport in a week. And the Lord said, I told you. Anybody ever had those moments in your life? I'm thinking laughing is not laughing at me, but you're with me. And uh, part of all of this is getting to that point of listening to him. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. The Holy Spirit directed my steps, is what I mean by this, is that it's a heart condition. Have I trained my heart enough that I am willing to listen to the Holy Spirit at any given moment? That makes sense? And so that's what I want to run with today. I want to talk about, crazy it is, you're going to hear about my heart and how the Lord spoke to me through physical issues of my heart. But I, my prayer is, is that it would become a spiritual analysis for your own heart. And I believe that Jesus spoke in parables all the time. And so I just want to walk through this story of what that looks like for my heart but really, what does that look like for your heart? And when you hear, uh, like, we need to assess our heart. 
when we need to analyze our heart, when we need to evaluate our heart. And, and, and here's part of the reason why. We'll have slides up here for a little bit. But can you guys all, and I, I really, this, this is a way I know you're with me. Can you open up your Bible to Proverbs 4.23? Uh, I want you to open up to Proverbs 4.23. Solomon wrote it. Go Psalms and then Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 4.23. And here's why I want us to evaluate our hearts today. Now, normally, if any of you know anything about Time Revive or me, we're kind of like this, like, let's get her going, let's get out there, let's get her done. Like, we are, like, we want to see some action. Today is probably going to be the complete opposite. And in Proverbs 4.23, listen to what it says. Scripture says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. If your heart is not taken care of, you're done. You're done. It's done. And I began to see, if I wasn't careful, I wasn't taking care of my heart, and I'm not talking physically. And so what I want to do is, is we're going to walk through this text. We're going to walk through Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Now, sometimes the reason, and this is how the Lord showed me this scripture verse for you, is that I was in Indiana, northern Indiana, Goshen specifically. It's home of Amish. 90% of the recreational vehicles are made in this community. Uh, we are intentionally, we have what's called Revive School. Some of you don't know. Revive School is I have 129 guys that are going through Genesis through Revelation for two years. Every day we're studying the Word of God. And I fly in one week a month and I teach them in a back garage. I mean, it doesn't get any more old school than this, you guys. It's in the between Amish and English. English are, if you're not Amish, you're English. It's kind of like Jews and Gentile mentality. And uh, as, as, we're, uh, as I was pouring into these guys, and I very rarely get sick, I've gone there for the last six months, and I've gotten sick two to three times since I've been going there. And I'm kind of like, what in the world is the deal? And, and it got so bad that one day I was driving down, uh, I was going to go, we were going to have a big old potluck. In Indiana, they know how to do potlucks. I mean, it's like, it is unbelievable. Noodles, mashed potatoes, and gravy. It's all we have. And... Uh, <laughs> And I was on my way to get some stuff from Target to get ready for the potluck dinner that night. And the Holy Spirit prompted me, I need you to go to the urgent care now. Now, I had some earlier symptoms. I kind of felt like I love the smell of icy hot. But like it felt like I had icy hot completely on my chest. And so it was like this weird tingly feeling. It wasn't pain. It wasn't pressure. But the Holy Spirit said, go there now. And so I looked at my video buddy who was with me. And I go, hey, you think I should go to the urgent care? And I was basing everything off whether he said yes or no. And he goes, why not? You know, like, yeah, sure, you know. It's just like, thanks for the encouragement. But I, I did, and I walked in, and, and as soon as you tell somebody you have something on your chest, do you know the world's like, they just, they paved the way for you. And I was just like, oh, this is awkward. And I walked in, and this doctor at the urgent care was like, hey, uh, we're going to do an EKG. And I was like, I don't know, what, what is that? And uh, they went through this whole process. They put all the little sticky things on you. And that sticky stuff stays on you for a long time, and they pull it off. And we're all done, and she comes back, and she says that your EKG is great. And I was like, great, she goes, and I need you to go to the emergency room. And I, that wasn't funny. And, uh, and so, anyway, I'll run with you. And so I was like, I don't understand, like, why? And she said, because you need to. And I was like, well, that's not legit for me. And I go, it's Mother's Day the next day. I'm always traveling on the road. I, I like... For two months, I was, I was gone a lot. And I said, I need a better reason. She said, would you like to see your kids tomorrow? 
was like, that's a weird reason. But I go, yeah, I'll, yeah, yes. But you know how you always need your buddy? I didn't have my wife with me saying, God, I'll do it. I, in my mind, I'm still wrestling. I don't need to. And I'll just be honest. I think so many of us know we need a spiritual assessment. We need to check our heart. But we still fight it with the Lord. You're like, I don't want to spend time with you, but I'm okay. Who are we fooling? And so finally I showed up at the hospital. And the thing about Revive Indiana, when we did Time Revive in Indiana for 2015, it's probably the city that we've seen the most change in any city in the United States. When, when you see four to 400 people to 10,000 people uh, start hitting the streets and gathering, when you see hospitals, it's key, allowing us to come in and pray for people and see healings. Uh, and then you start seeing people in wheelchairs get up. And when you come into that hospital, you kind of feel like you know a lot of people. <laughs> and it's super embarrassing. Yeah, I have a chest problem. So instantly they're like, hey, let's do an EKG. And he said the same thing. And he goes, oh, you're fine. And I'm like, what am I here for then? And by then my dad had come and a pastor from First Baptist came and my video guy that said I should go. <laughs> His name's Taylor. He has a name. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, why do I have all these guys here? Like in your mind, you're like, maybe something else is for real. Does that make sense? And the guy goes, yeah, your EKG came back, but your blood results were not good. We need you to admit, admit you right away. And I was like, for what? I'm 38 years old. You haven't, sorry if this offends anybody that's older. Like, like when you go hang out at heart places, they're all old people. Like my nurses were excited I could go to the bathroom myself. Okay, <laughs> like that was a line they told me. Like, great, thanks, you know, kind of deal, whatever. So anyway, I went through all this tests, and they're like, you're going to have to be here for two to three days. So I was like, what, are you kidding me? And everybody's sending a text, and they're like, oh, we're so glad you're getting rest in the hospital, rest. Anybody ever been to a hospital? <laughs> what hospital do they go to? And I was like, that's not restful. So anyway, it forced me to assess physically my heart. And honestly, I think if, if we're not... If we're not true to ourselves, I would say some of us need to be forced to come evaluate where we're at with the Lord. Because the American church, not just DBC, as we travel throughout the United States, the American church is in such emotion, and we're in such a groove, we're in such a, can I just even say a rut sometimes, that we don't take time to say, Lord, where am I really at? And you know what we do? We, we call it church. We play this game that looks really good. And on the outside, if you were to tell me, oh, your heart looks great. But on the inside, apparently I was a mess. Trust me, I didn't really want to talk about this. But the Lord told me, you talk about the heart condition for Dallas Bible. Guys, if we're not careful, we can look really good. But on the inside, he says, no, 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 I want to begin to clean it up. So we're going to go to Philippians 3 and... Here, here, if you can go to the slide that has the past, present, and future. Let's go back to the other one, if you don't mind. I, I want to talk to you a little bit. Up here, you'll see, uh, we're going to only cover 11 verses today, because I know people like to know where you're headed. And so we're going to cover the first 11 verses, and we're only going to take it as an accountant perspective. Does that make sense? An accountant perspective is going to count all of the things from the past, okay? If you're an accountant, I'm sorry, but nobody really likes accountants. You know why? Because they're always holding you accountable, you always have to come. I have offended some people. I'm sorry. But we need you, okay? But nobody likes you. And here, here's why. Because you have to bring all these papers, and then they ask you for more papers. And you thought you had your act together, right? Isn't this true? Do you do your taxes? 
Like, that's the point. And so that's what we're going to talk about. But also, just so you know, the rest of the, of the, of the verses, he then doesn't, he changes gear from an accountant perspective to an athlete. And Warren Wearsby paints it so well about pressing in. And at the very end, you're viewed as an alien, right? That's who we are. We're fools. We're aliens. And then it's to, to like, how am I going to look into the future? We're only going to cover the front end, and that's all you're going to get. But I'm telling you this because that's where we're going. I want us, when we talk about countenance, you have to examine your life. You have to consider your life. You have to actually process, where am I really at? And God knows me so well that he'd have to send me to a hospital in Goshen, Indiana, sit next to an 84-year-old guy who used to be a state senator for multiple decades to speak into my life. Only God can do that. And so in Philippians 3, verse 1, here we go. Philippians 3, 1 says this. Finally, now, now here's what I love about the first three verses, just so we're all, all on the same page, is that Paul's whole purpose is for the good of the body. He wants your heart to be for him, but he wants to protect you. And so in Philippians 3, 1, it says, Finally, my brothers, I, re- I rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. To write you again about this, like this isn't a problem to speak. This isn't a problem to write. Like I delight in this, he says, and it's a protection for you. So part of this message is, and I'm saying this because of me, this is a protection and a warning for your spiritual heart. Does that make sense? Like this is to guard. Remember we talked about this. It's the source of life, so we want to guard your heart. And so Paul says, that's why I'm writing this. I want you to protect your heart. Scripture then says, and and this is kind of interesting as it unfolds, in verse 2, Philippians 3, 2, one one of the things you'll learn about Time Revive, many of you already know, and just got to say thank you, by the way, for running with us. Uh, It's really an incredible encouragement to have a church body that just says, yeah, we're with you. And part of the reason that I have to deal with is, is this weird tension of man. I come into cities, and guess who I interact with? The church. I interact with the religious And you want to know sometimes who beats you down? It's not the lost. It's the church. I remember I was in Sedona, Arizona. Were you in Sedona? Santa Fe. Oh, let's use that one as an example. I was in Santa Fe. I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And when I was in Santa Fe, there was about 70 churches at the time. 35 of them backed out on us on Time Revive. Remember this, Mojo? Because I said this thing was true. Well, if you preach this, well, we might actually lose some of the people from our church because we don't preach about all of those things. And I just tell you, in America, we're now playing this game in the church. When denominations are voting on scripture verses, who gives us the right to vote? It's either, you ready for this? It's real, it's real profound. It's either all true or none true. You can't be like, and I've even had a church in Dallas say, stop saying that. Can you believe that? Why? Because we don't preach on some of those things in the Bible. You guys, I've had a pastor, it's called a bishop in in the Amish community. I've seen a guy start walking with the Lord and revive school. And his girlfriend, his girlfriend started reading the Bible and the bishop of an Amish community burned it. And we're just going to tell you why. Because the more that you, you ready for this? The more that you and I own up our own heart condition, then the leadership, this is going to sound super strange, the leadership doesn't have control of how you walk with the Lord. 
that might have been over your head. Do you understand this? The more that the leadership can control what we say and do, then we're in control. But the more that you trust the Spirit of God in your heart condition, there's freedom. And in northern Indiana, we fight this control issue within certain communities because if you start reading the Bible, well, then you might experience Christ. It's called a spirit of religion, and we don't just do it in Amish. We do it in English communities as well. And so you have to watch out for these guys, Paul says. You watch out for the dogs. You watch out for the evil workers. You watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. It's crazy to me, you guys. How we put, and this is going to sound really forward, but you got to run with me on this, and trust me, we put more stock in leadership than we do the Word of God. That's not fair to leadership, and it's not fair to God. You have to examine the Word yourself. And what happens over the course of time, if you start interacting in circles like I've been, you know what happens? You start pleasing man more than you do pleasing the Lord. Does that make sense? You start coming into circles, and you need churches to come on board. No, I don't compromise the truth, but man, you just want to please them? I'm not going to call anybody to relax. (laughs) But after a while of pleasing man, can I just tell you, it's exhausting. Some of you do it in your own workplace with the boss, but you know that it's not right and it's not from the Lord. And he says, watch out for these people that try to pull you off of the course. You stay the course with the Lord. And it's a heart condition. And what I saw was, is that, Kyle, my heart was off. After 10 years of doing this and doing this and doing this, some of the largest churches in America that we've worked with and some of the smallest churches, you just want to see a move of God. And sometimes you're just like, man, I'm so tired of this. Anybody ever hit a point of tiredness in your life? Two. It's awesome. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Uh, in verse 3, Philippians 3, verse 3, Scripture says this. Uh, for, and here, this is the fun part, you guys. So this is the part of, like, the analysis, okay? You have to realize, are we this? And the Scripture says, we are the circumcision. The ones who serve by the Spirit of God boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Okay, this is so fun for me. Because what this is talking about is it's talking about the circumcision of the Just a couple of verses, and uh, I want to come back to the, the, to the list, Tom. But let's go, if we can, Deuteronomy 10, verse 16. Deuteronomy 10, 16, in, in the Pentateuch, here we have first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? Moses writes this. And Moses is saying, therefore, in the very bottom, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. Now, in the New Testament, watch, it says in Colossians 2, 11 and 13, it says this. It says, you were also circumcised in him. This is a new covenant perspective, okay? I know right now the word circumcision, it's kind of big, it's vague. We're going to cover it. I'm just painting a backdrop. It says, you were circumcised in him with a circumcision, not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh. In other words, it has nothing to do, the circumcision, with works. So the circumcision of your heart cannot be manufactured based on what you do. And what I'm seeing in the American church it's a whole lot of based on what we do. You got to understand something. I love the church. I am for the church. I am a part of the church. But the reason, can we just say we need a move of God in our nation? I'm so tired of people picketing. Can I just tell you this? It's not getting us anywhere. It's all flesh. 
It has to come down to the circumcision of the heart. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. It's irrelevant to me. The point is, you guys, what I start seeing is that we mix the world and then we bring it into the church. And then it becomes this performance base about, hey, I got to play a part in order to do this part. I'm just going to run with something. Travis, (laughs) even in the worship world, I think it's a fair statement. Even as you lead worship, there's a tension of having to do worship like somebody else. Yes? No? There's a, there's a tension of speaking. You have to sound and speak like somebody. Does that make sense? Like there's this constant tension in the church. Can I, and it doesn't mean that it's happening here. It's just, can I outperform somebody by doing something? And I have to tell you guys, it's not getting us anywhere in, in America with the church. And so what I see in scripture, if we can go back to the, to the Philippians 3, th- this is how you counter the flesh side and function in the heart side. He says this, can we go to the list, Tom? The, the list is this. This is, how you, this is how you counter it. First of all, you worship God in spirit. You want to know the number one thing? This is so bizarre. I never thought after 10 years of trying to train and share people about the gospel. I would have never thought this. The number one issue about coming into communities, it's actually not about sharing the gospel. It's actually not about making disciples or prayer. You know what the number one issue is? The Holy Spirit. I've had pastors sit down with me and say, do not mention the Holy Spirit in this church or you won't preach. That's actually the norm, strangely enough. Can I just tell you this? That's not in the Spirit. Look, you have to understand something. I go to these cities, I go into the church because I love them. I love them. But after a while, it gets hard. And scripture says, if you understand the circumcision of the heart, you have to worship me in spirit. And and don't be afraid of the spirit of God, you guys. He's not going to do anything that's not in line with scripture. And then you have to rejoice in Christ. What Paul is implying here in rejoicing in Christ, you know what he's implying? He goes, it's not about you, it's about him. And if... Over time, what started to happen in my life is I started to do things because I felt like I needed to, not necessarily because I knew God wanted me to. Does that make sense? You almost start doing things just out of obligation because that's what you do. And our church needs to, and I don't mean Dallas Bible, but the church as a whole, just, it needs to break the rut. And I love this one. And number three, there's no confidence in flesh when you function in the circumcision of the heart. When you realize that your heart has been circumcised, there's not a chance or an ounce of a chance that it's you. Uh, Our Time Revive team, this is kind of a little bizarre. A lot of people know us as the ministry that equips and shares uh, the gospel and makes disciples. Uh, But at the same time, we have been asked a really, really unique opportunity. Uh, There's a gentleman overseas uh, in the Middle East, in, in Israel specifically, and he asked us, I've gotten to know him over the course of time, for the nation of us, if we would start helping him uh, pray uh, for the nation of Israel. Well, that sounds fun, but then it becomes really real when a member of the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament, okay? A member of the Israeli Knesset asked my friend Albert and our team if we would help put together a prayer breakfast for the nations that come from all over the world to come and pray in Jerusalem. You know how intimidating that is? I'll tell you how intimidating it is. Uh, when you host a reception, your team, for the president of Israel, you kind of feel out of your league. When you interact with the head of the Jewish Christian Allied Caucus, 
uh, and you're interacting with him, you feel a little out of league. When, when your person on your committee is Michelle Bachman from Minnesota, you're kind of like, what are we doing here? And I'm just going to tell you now, in Scripture, in Romans 15, well, there's a couple places. In Psalm 122, it says, pray for the what? The peace of? You, that means all of us, right? But then in Romans 15, you want to know why I'm really doing it? In Romans 15, it's an incredible scripture verse, and it says this. It says, if you have received a spiritual benefit from the Jewish people, you bless them materially. So we have decided as a team, because we've received a benefit as a Gentile, we want to bless the nation of Israel. But here's where I get a little out of my league. It feels like this, is that the largest church in the world is in South Korea. 800,000 plus people. Did you catch that? And the pastor was there. <laughs> and you're supposed to pray in the evening the same time that pastor's supposed to pray. You know how intimidating that is? Ann Graham Lotz came first time she'd spoke since her father Billy, uh, uh, Dr. Graham had passed away. Ann is up there speaking. And then I'm supposed to pray. <laughs> If I found confidence in my flesh, it wouldn't work. But if you realize that God is the one working in your heart, I promise you, you can do anything he wants you to do. Now, you might be an idiot in the process. We had a guy go up to the governor of Kentucky on our team. Remember my video guy, Taylor? He keeps coming up. This is so weird. And anyway, the governor was there in shorts and a t-shirt, and he didn't know he was the governor of Kentucky. He's like, hey, man. You know, you might want to dress up. This thing's a little bit dressier than that. <laughs> She's like, oh my gosh. He's like, yeah, I am aware of that. Hey, that's the governor, you idiot. You know, kind of like, but you want to know what's so cool about the governor? He's so laid back and he loves Jesus. And when you realize and you can portray to others, it's Christ working in you and not about yourselves, people might actually want what you have. And I have to be honest, though, I, I needed a time in the hospital to pull back and be like, you know what? Something's off in my life. It was becoming more about performance than it was about trust in the Holy Spirit. And that's a hard place to be. When you have a whole lot on your team. You got a lot of supporters, you got a lot of encouragers, and... God knew what I needed. Amen? Philippians 3, verse 4. This is what I love. Although Paul says this. Paul says, although I, I once also had confidence in the flesh. <laughs> if anybody else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So he says, hey, look, if we're going to play the game, I have more flesh than anybody else, I would win. And this is what he says. Look, look at his background. Paul says, hey, by the way, in verse 5, this is what it says. Uh, Circumcised the eighth day. Of the nation of Israel. In other words, I'm doing everything according to Leviticus. I, I'm founded on, uh, from the nation of Israel. Like this is God's chosen people. By the way, God's not done yet with Israel. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. God has a plan and a purpose for the body of Christ. And oh, by the way, he's not done yet with Israel. If you don't believe me, just watch the news. Why would one country the size of New Jersey, the world's watching, 
He says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, which we know is one of the elite tribes, tribe of Judah and tribe of Benjamin. They're the ones who restored the nation. Then he says, I'm a Hebrew born of Hebrews. In other words, you can't trump that. And if you don't like that, by the way, I'm one of you. I'm a Pharisee. So he gives a list of saying, this is my flesh side, and it's really good. And I'm just going to tell you this. A lot of us have got to stop bringing the flesh to the table. You have nothing to prove. Nothing. And over the course of 10 years, what's not, if I'm not careful, I felt like I had to start proving to the church we needed a move of God. And you can go to the flesh rather than depend upon the heart that the Lord circumcised. You with me? And if we're not careful, we keep playing this. And it's really alarming to me in the church. It's not about your product and what you sell. It's not about how well-known you are. In fact, I had a breaking point. If we can go to verse 6 here for a second. Philippians 3, verse 6. Scripture just says this. Uh, regarding zeal, look, what, look how else he describes himself. Persecuting the church, regarding the righteous. Remember, he was there with Stephen. When Stephen was stoned, and that's in the law. Blame It's like, he, he was there, okay? I had a breaking point for me when I was in Jerusalem. And some of you won't be able to see me do this, but that's okay. And one of my jobs, logistically, when you have 640-some people from 64 nations, you have the prince and princess from Belgium, you have a king and a queen from Ghana, uh, like, you're just kind of like, what am I doing here? And just so you know, I had no political classes, like, which means I don't have any idea how to interact with politicians except just love on them, right? I remember I was down, I was getting ready for the night, and I was on my knees, and I'm okay if you can't see this, and I was just picking up all of the trash. And I remember as I was picking up the trash in Jerusalem, I just, I lost it. I lost it. Like, I was like, oh, this is weird. Now I'm crying on the ground. Like, what is wrong with me? And I lost it because I knew finally I was okay with where I was at. I didn't care about being up there. I was fine being down here. And in Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, man, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And yet for some reason, the church, you know what we do? We flip it. We go to verse 5 and say, it's all about us. And we haven't seen a move of God in our lifetime. So dare I say, something needs to change. And so my encouragement in my own life at that moment was God says, ah, I finally got your attention. And for me, it became more and more and more real. In verse 7, it says, but everything that was a gain, in verse 7 says, that everything was a gain, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. Praise the Lord. Like, could you come to the table and have, like, if we, if we did something like, this isn't an idea, Brian, so don't run with it. But if our church all of a sudden said, hey, every, every other week, we're going to have six new families, and you're going to all come to the table and get to know each other. It's not an idea. Jeff Mousa, though, he's the new executive pastor, so it might be a good idea. Just kidding. Like, can you imagine if you came to the table not knowing anybody? And what if you never talked about your accomplishments? Could you do it? Could you talk about everything else of the Lord except yourself? Like, could you remove everything from yourself? And that's what he says needs to happen. In fact, there's an incredible quote from Nelson's commentary, and I love this. It says this, The things that Paul thought to be important became unimportant after confronting the resurrected Messiah. If we want to get ready for the return of Christ, which he is coming back, then you have to let go of all of these things that you hold on to tightly. Yesterday we had a, I would say a scare, but that's, that would be an extreme case. We had a live wire, I thought, 
that was in the middle of our driveway from the pole above us. So you know, when you see a live wire, I have kids, I'm like, hey, let's call the cops. So I call the cops, and I was like, I don't even know if this is the right person to call. They're like, oh yeah, next thing you know, like within two minutes, we live like a block away from fire station, the fire trucks are coming, and the sounds are going. And I was like, hey, Laura, I called the, I called the cops. <laughs> and I know she's just like, oh, because, you know, it, it could happen. Something could extreme happen. Turns out, the guys are like, it's not live. <laughs> you know, you just felt like this tall. Anyway, and they put it around the pool. But, like, if everything caught on fire. Have you ever played this game before? You're not as sick and morbid as I am, I guess. But, like, if my whole house burned down, I'm not planning anything, so relax. But, like, I would actually, I'd be okay. Like, do you hold on to your stuff that loosely? that it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about not being a good steward. I'm just, I feel like we've become sometimes more about that than him. And, and I think it's, it's a cool point here. And I love, I love what Socrates says. It's maybe the first time I've ever quoted Socrates in my life. Maybe the last. He says this, the unexamined life is not worth living. You know what going to the hospital caused me to do? Examine my life. I would rather save you and spare you from going to the hospital and say, could you examine your life, please? Where are you at with the Lord? Don't, don't wait for some uh, life event. Isn't that what we always do? We wait for a funeral. We wait for a circumstance. We wait for tough things to be tough. And I'm just saying, no, no, no. Paul says, don't wait that long, you guys. Examine your heart today. Verse 8, it says, more than that, Paul says, I also consider everything to be a loss. And I love this. You see that? He says, I also consider. Most would say this could be the highlight of the whole chapter. Because he says, I also consider. You know what that means? That means you're evaluating your heart. You're assessing your situation. And in the summertime, when it's crazy, when it's fun, and there's a lot going on, sometimes we don't really evaluate a whole lot of anything. You just try to keep up. We've had more camps, and then camps, and then I think more camps. And I love camps. But don't let those get in the way of assessing where you're at with the Lord. And sometimes in ministry, where I had gotten to the point was, I had gotten to the point where we invited all over the nation, and even going into international, that it just became more about that than slowing down and where am I at with the Lord. And so he just says, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Praise the Lord. That's what we're after today, you guys. Do you know him? He says, because of him, I've suffered the loss. Look at that. Because of Jesus, (laughs) I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth. Why? So that I may gain Christ. You gain everything by letting everything else go. So why do we hold on to everything? Why do we act like those things are so essential when he says you gain everything with Christ? Verse 9, it just says this, and kind of a cool picture he says and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law but one that is through faith in christ the righteousness from god based on faith and again he's just reiterating the circumcision of the heart is not based on what you do how you give how much you read it is truly about him and sometimes i've done enough studies you guys of the american church it feels like if we're not careful it feels like it's becoming a production I'm not pointing fingers at Dallas Bible. I'm not pointing fingers at a specific church. I'm just saying corporately, something needs to shift. 
And the only way I can conclude that it starts is with me on hospital bed 227, bed two, because I had to share a room. That was super weird. It started with me on that bed. The only way we're going to see a move of God is it starts with your own heart. I can't convince you of that. But I can say, hey, this is what Paul said. And the scripture just continues on in verse 10. And this is really the crux, the highlight of it all. And I love this one. And here's what's so cool, okay? Uh, Jesus hangs out with three guys, specifically Peter, James, and John. There's three instances in the scriptures, okay? Three instances where he pulls Peter, James, and John aside so that they can learn something special. Now, the first one, uh, Paul is writing, my goal is to know him. Okay, if you go to John 17, verse 3, this is what he's talking about. In John 17, 3, he says, this is eternal life. So the way that you know him, first and foremost, is you have, that you have eternal life, that you may know you, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So when he says, my goal is to know him, first of all, he's saying, do you have a relationship with Christ? Statistics would show in this room in Dallas Bible Church, even though we are so churched, there are people in this room that do not know the Lord. And when I say know the Lord, it just means this, because you can have an opportunity to say, you know, I, I really would like to, to know him. It just means that Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. And it means that for three days he was dead, buried. And on the third day, it means he got up. It means that he came alive. And so if you want to, first of all, when it says in Philippians 3.10, it says to know him, that's what it means. It means you have a personal relationship with Christ. But here's what's so weird to me about the personal relationship with Christ. If I want to know Laura, my wife, I'm actually going to spend time with her. That's the first step in knowing it. You get to hang out with each other. Jesus is everything. Yeshua is everything. He just says, come spend time with me. I'll ask this question just because and if somebody raises their hand, I might jump up and down. Is there anybody bold enough in this room to say, I don't know him? Anybody bold enough to do this? Says, you know, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I have no problem admitting it. Because I'm telling you what, you guys. There's a lot of people in this country that don't know him. And he says, in order to have a heart change, you got to know him. It's the first step. But once you start, once you start knowing him, you know how cool this is? Look, look what happens, he says. Okay, here's your goal. Like, I'm not like a big point guy. Like I don't have uh, ABCs, I'm sorry. It's not how I'm wired. But if you want to take notes, it would be good to write this, to know him. Just write it down. Like, what did he talk about? You guys know most people don't remember sermons a week later. It's not a knock against anybody. It's the reality. Just write it down. Maybe you can go back to it, okay? So to know him, as Warren Wiersbe says, you want to have a personal experience with Jesus. But then he says, Paul says in Philippians 3, 2, 3.10, he says, not just know him, look what he says. I want you to what? To understand and know and experience the power of his resurrection. If there's any section in this whole thing that should get you fired up, guys, it's this right here. You know what this means? It means you have the resurrected power of Christ inside of you. If I was to put it in inner city, tame, inner city uh, language, it's time for your, it's game on. Because you have the resurrected power inside of you, you know what that means? You can do greater things than Christ. That's what scripture says. And if you don't believe me that you have the resurrected power inside of you, I want to go to a, a verse here if we can. Can you go to the next one in Romans? We'll call it out if we can't. 
Romans 8, thanks. Look, look at the bottom here. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I, this really gets me fired up. The spirit of him who raised Jesus is inside of you. Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. You realize that we're the only ones holding back the power of God moving in, in and through us. So in Matthew 10, 8, when it says you can raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, you know that it means you're tapping into the power of the resurrected Christ inside of you. Anybody get excited about that? Maybe. No, look, this is real. This is the heart condition. You have to ask yourself, do I really believe the word of God or not? Because when you tap into this, that means you're not tapping into your flesh. The flesh is what got me on the hospital bed. That doesn't. Scripture continues on. One other point here in Philippians 3.10 says this. Philippians 3.10, it just says the final thing is, is uh, and let me just say this as far as, uh, um, you know, the Peter, James, and John stories. You know, the, those guys got to know Jesus uh, personally at Matthew 17 